The Fitness Reborn podcast is a companion piece to Renaissance Fitness personal training. This podcast is to serve as educational and entertainment purposes only. It does not in any way constitute as medical advice. If you have a medical concern, please seek out your provider. What's up, Internet? This is the Fitness Reborn podcast. My name is Sean from Renaissance Fitness Personal Training, where we put movement ahead of workouts. And my guest today is Shannon Parrish. She's a registered nurse at a local hospital here. I've actually known Shannon off and on um, because we work at the same hospital. I actually have known her off and on for the last six years. Uh, She worked in the emergency department um, then, and now she works at the hospice house, which I didn't know that until we started talking just now. But Shannon, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. So... Thank you for coming on, for stepping out of your comfort zone. I know you haven't done something like this before, and uh, I appreciate your bravery and your willingness to share with me and everyone who's listening. But I think um, voices like yours are especially important because, you know, podcasts in general, they tend to be kind of filled with a whole lot of experts, and that's fine. I like experts, but, you know, people like to hear from normal people i think just like you said and so when we have um personal stories of overcoming um adversity and achieving something pretty great and significant i think that's all the more special so thanks again for coming on yes thanks so much for having me so let's kind of let's let's start with um let's start for where we're at now and we'll kind of backdate from there so you just did a 10k Yes. Yeah. And you did exceptionally well. Yes. I placed second out of all the women my age in the 10K. Um, This is my first 10K since coming back from a double Achilles resection. Mm -hmm. And um, I was pretty nervous. And I'm really, really proud that I placed. And um, we can only go up from here. I'm training for a half marathon in September. So this was a training race for me. So I called my coach as soon as I was done. Like I didn't call, I texted my coach as soon as Mm -hmm. I was done and um, let him know kind of my progress. And we just are really, really excited because in January I was cleared to run again after my Achilles resection and I couldn't even run 30 seconds at a time. It um, hurt my Achilles too much. And I was really discouraged because they had told me just, start running, you know, do couch to 5k. So I plugged in my app and I was going to do a couch to 5k and couldn't even run that much. So, uh, what happened that you needed to have an Achilles resection? It's kind of funny. I had bunions, Okay. I, you know, I just have bad feet Mm. and the doctor, the podiatrist that I did specializes in bunions. And um, he said, you know, you walk funny, your Achilles are too tight. That's why you have these bunions. So the only way that he would fix the bunions was to resect the Achilles. So my Achilles were just too tight and they needed loosened. So he clipped them and then reattached. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you said you walk funny. Had you ever been told that before? No, no. And <laughs> you walk he, funny. 
He's sweet. It's a local podiatrist and he's yeah. sweet. We know each other and he just was teasing me, but the Achilles are just so, um, were just so tight that it affected my gait. Like I had a noticeable gait disturbance that we didn't notice until he pointed out. And then once he kind of talked about it, it's like, oh yeah, I kind of do walk funny. Did you have any pain with walking before that that you noticed? I had pain in my feet and then uh-huh. my Achilles and my hamstrings and all of my leg muscles are, have always been really tight. Like I've had trainers comment on that when I'm running or when I'm doing exercises. So I had pain in my feet all the time, but that's better. He did a great job. So my Achilles don't hurt. My feet don't hurt. My hamstrings are tight still occasionally, but uh-huh. stretch them out. Gotcha. I gotcha. All right. So let's take it back a little bit. So when I asked you to kind of send me a snippet of your biography, um, the kind of the opening sentences kind of said that you had weight issues on and off your entire life. Mm-hmm. So you know, it was interesting. Um, you said that you were like 135 pounds when you were 10 at five foot four. Was that, did I read that right? Okay. Yeah which is chubby as a kid, but when you're adult, it's considered fit or at least not as chubby. Yeah. Which no, is, that, yeah, it, which is, uh, that's an interesting, uh, uh, dichotomy there that when you're the exact same height, exact same weight, but in two different stages of life, it's considered a much different scenario. Yeah. Um, all right. So, you know, having weight struggles your entire life is not uncommon. It's pretty, it's pretty widespread, actually. Um, were you an active kid when you were younger? Or? So I played volleyball mm-hmm. uh, throughout, throughout until we moved here um, my sophomore, junior year, and then I didn't play anymore. But I was active. I always was on my bicycle. Um, mm-hmm. I just ate a lot of junk. You know, I ate fast food and me and my girlfriends would um, go to the gas station and get snacks and stuff when we would do our bike rides and get soda. Soda was a big thing, mm-hmm. too, because we didn't um, do much soda in my house. So then I would save up my money and then I would go and buy soda. Or when I got money, I would buy snacks and sweet treats and make bad choices. Yeah, that's pretty common. I mean, I made the same choices when I was a kid. I mean, sugary snacks are just, they're everything. They're everywhere, and you want them all the time. And soda is especially bad because it's its insidious how it uh, creeps up on you because you're just kind of draining all this liquefied sugar. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, all right. Now, okay, so you made a lot of very common bad choices when you were a kid. So... But you also noted that those choices carried over into adulthood, especially after your second child. Now, you, you did know that it was the second child is when the real problems started to happen, but not the first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, after the first, I was pretty active and I did gain some weight, you know, after her and I got pregnant. When I got pregnant with my second baby, I weighed as much as I did when I delivered my first baby. So there was a weight gain, oh, okay. but I was pretty small with my first pregnancy. Um, I didn't gain much weight. So I got pregnant with my second baby at the same weight that I delivered my first baby. 
um, gained a lot of weight with that pregnancy, even though I had hyperemesis gravida. I still, there were certain foods that I could eat and that I could keep down. And I don't know if everyone knows what hyperemesis gravida is. Yeah, no, I was going to say, like, for clarity, why don't you tell us what that is? So it's where um, when you're pregnant, you can't keep anything down. No. I had selective um, hyperemesis gravida. So there were certain foods that I could eat, and it was bizarre foods um, that were unhealthy. So I could do breadsticks from Pizza Hut, or I could do Laffy Taffy's with the little. Um, Oh, the watermelon Laffy Taffy's with the little watermelon seeds. I could mm -hmm. keep those down. So basically, my doctor said, I don't care what you eat. Just eat. Take your multivitamin and um, go about your business. So I was able to gain weight. Lost all my weight after the baby. Had no problem with that. And then um, developed some postpartum depression. And while I had the postpartum depression, decided that I'd change jobs. Took a job where I took a call. Um, and then started to go to school for my bachelor's and had all this stuff on my plate and couldn't keep up. So we had fast food or I would make fatty casseroles with cream of mushroom soup and cream of chicken soup and the Midwestern stick to your ribs kind of food. And I would eat more than my husband. So I just gained weight and gained weight and gained weight. and it just kind of spiraled. You ate more than your husband. Do you think that was, you know, do you think that was depression related? Um, it may have been, it may have been, you know, and it was stress related because I'm, I have two kids. Mm -hmm. I have a husband. I take call. I'm in school for my bachelor's. I'm doing, um, preceptorships for my bachelor's and, there's so much stress and I want good grades because you, when you go back to school, when you have kids, there's more pressure to do well because you have, you know, you're doing it for your kids. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So you know that you had postpartum depression. This is after the second child, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. But you yeah. didn't experience, you didn't experience anything like that with the first child. No, but I had depression after my first baby. Too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that wasn't a new thing. So you had the postpartum depression after the child, which actually is pretty common for mm -hmm. those is. of you who are listening. It's a pretty common thing to, you know, for women after they've had babies to sort of catastrophize their entire life. Um, so that's very, it's a very common widespread thing to happen. And so then you decided you were going to go change your entire life Yeah. in the midst, in the midst of these of these uh, post-baby blues, you decide you were going to upend your entire life, go back to school, uh, take a different job, uh, just kind of, you know, it, you know, you have the best intentions in mind when you do stuff right. like this because you want to improve your life and everyone's life overall. But then you kind, of, you kind of like, you had another child and now you're kind of making all these other huge decisions right after that. Yep. Yeah. And my goal was, you know, I'm going to do all these things and the job was, yeah. better because it was challenging and maybe that's what I needed to pull me out of my funk and the mm -hmm. school the challenge of school I always loved school and learning so maybe that will pull me out of my funk and it just made things worse <laughs> but you didn't quit you kept going 
Yeah. Oh gosh. Nope. I, I kept the job with call and I, um, graduated with honors and nice. busted my butt. So, trying, so. To, trying to see. So, so, okay. So we have, we have the career change here. Um, but you know, let's say you, you got, uh, you got out of all of that. Yeah. And you know, your life did improve, but you were left with all the after effects yeah. of doing that. And so now we were brought back to the issue of, you know, your weight and your health being, being an issue. Yeah. So, um, what ended up happening, I was over a hundred pounds overweight. Mm -hmm. Um, and I woke up one day and decided I was done. I had tried all the diets, anything you could come up with. Um, and I consistently worked out during this time and did home workouts and lifted weights. And so I did that and I walked and I ran and I did those kind of things with, um, these diet attempts and trying to lose weight. So I had that going for me, but, um, I, like I said, I just woke up one day and I was done. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired and, um, feeling bad about myself and, not being able to take care of my kids because I couldn't keep up with them. I couldn't go and do things with them because I was a hundred pounds overweight. So I busted my butt for two years. It took two years. I lost about 110 pounds. Right now I cycle between 90 to 110 pounds lost. And the reason that I cycle because people will be like, well, that's 20 pounds fluctuation. Like that's awful. Um, I had two Achilles resections in that time period. And, um, I lost one of my best friends and gained some weight after I lost her because I ate my feelings. Mm -hmm. Cause sometimes that's what you do when you lose someone close to you. Um, no, you know, you said you were done. You, you woke up one morning, you said you were done. Was it really just that kind of mm -hmm. that abrupt? You just kind of, it you was. Know, got up, got out of bed one day, and just something snapped, and yeah. then you decided that you were just going to take a different uh, trajectory in life. Was it really just yeah. like that? I I couldn't look myself in the mirror. Um, it was hard to look at myself and feel good about myself. And I have the best husband. I have absolutely hands down the best husband in the world. He every day of our marriage has told me in the morning and at night that he loves me. And he tells me every day how beautiful I am and how lucky he is to have me. And I looked at myself and I'm like, I think I'm not lovable like this. I feel awful about myself. And here, you know, here he is loving me and taking care of me and being wonderful to me. And I'm not taking care of myself for him. Like, how is that? You know, and for my kids, it just enough was enough. It's it's still kind of a mystery how people kind of get to that point there because a lot of people could just kind of rest back on the saying, "Well, my husband says he loves me," you yeah, know? and I, and that's all I need. You know, my kids say I, they love me. A husband says I love mm -hmm. he loves me, and that's really all I need. It's what keeps me going here. Um, but you know, for a lot of people, that's really. And a lot of people, that is literally enough, and they don't do anything. They don't see any issue with uh, how they live their lives and how their the state of their health might be. 
you know, they have the support that they, the love and support that they need, but they don't do that. That's not enough to com, uh, catapult them into actually changing their life. But, you know, even if they're not a hundred percent happy with what they look like, you know, they kind of just kind of fall back on what they hear externally. Yeah. Yeah. But you weren't one of them. You decide, no, no, this is not good enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it is. You know, you have to love yourself. And Mm -hmm. um, for the longest time, I didn't love myself because I, you know, I just, I was depressed. I was a size 22, 24. And um, I was getting too big for those clothes. And I'm short. I'm five (laughs) foot four. I'm not very tall. So I was, you know, my waist was big. You know, you've posted like before and after photos on (laughs) social media before. And it's kind of like, and I've known you for a while now. I don't see a lot, but I've known you for a while now. And some of those before photos are just, they were like, when I saw them, like, wow, I don't remember you ever looking like that. It must be, maybe that was before I ever knew you. I don't know. You know, but I don't remember you ever looking like that. <laughs> yeah, it was a slow process. So when we met about six years ago, I was down about 30 pounds from my heaviest. Okay. And then lost the rest of the weight since we've known each other. I've uh, maintained my weight loss for going on three years now um, at that 90 to 110 pounds down. And it just depends on the time of year and um, what has happened on what my weight does. What time of the year generally is the hardest for you? Um, the winter, because I like <laughs> exercise outside. Yeah. Yeah. And then in the winter, um, the foods that you cook are a little less healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, because we grill a lot in the summer and we're able to do outside stuff and we can't do that as much in the winter. So it's harder and I do more of the comfort foods in the winter, but we limit those. We don't do those nearly as much. It used to be I would make casseroles every night. I would make chicken and noodles. I would make bread. I would make those kind of things. Mm. That day once every two weeks, once a month thing now. Cool. Cool. So you made adjustments for what you knew were kind of like weak spots. Yep. And I still um, I still eat normal food. I don't mm-hmm. do diet food and I'm not, um, that, you know, but I just am more mindful of what I eat and I don't eat as much. What do you mean by diet food? Just for clarity. So diet food, um, the low sugar, low fat. I don't do, I do real sugar, real, um, full fat foods. I just, because when they take out the the fat, they a lot of times will replace it with chemicals. So I opt not to eat that or the sugar-free stuff. I opt not to eat just because like the aspartame and those kind mm. of chemicals. Okay. Fair enough. Is what I mean. Like, um, they like slim fast bars. I don't eat that kind of stuff. Like those kind of things. Yeah. Now, when you started, uh, the fitness journey where you started losing all the way you had, you hit that wall where you said, I can't do this anymore. I don't like the way this looks. I don't like the way this feels. Um, 
Now, a lot of times what people run into when they start this journey is that, well, you know, they had the spouse that was supportive at first, mm-hmm. but then once they start making the improvements, now obviously this wasn't your husband, but once they start actually changing their lives and making the improvements, then they find out that, you know, that one supportive hu- uh, husband or wife is not really around so much anymore. And they're kind of, you know, losing that kind of external support there. So did you, I guess the question I'm asking for you here is that were you one of these people that you really internalized all the responsibility of this on your own? Or did you really have, did you really depend on that outside um, support system? So it varied. It really mm-hmm. varied. Um, my husband helped a lot and was a good support. Um, he would go, like we lived near the ledges, a state park here in Iowa. Nice. And- we lived close, so we would go and walk it, and he would always lap me and um, be able to climb the rocks faster than me and do things. But he would go with me and try to do that, or he would go on walks with me and do those kind of things. But it's hard because he was, at that time, he was much more fit than me. And so it would make me feel bad to go with him. So then his support, he would support me and I wouldn't want to go. I wouldn't want to go <laughs> because I was embarrassed because my husband yeah. would be half a mile ahead of me in the trails. But he um, supported me throughout and he would help with kids and corral kids so I could work out. And if I asked him to cook dinner, he would cook dinner. Um, he has been a champ. Like he has learned to cook almost everything that I can cook. So that way, if I need time to work out after work, or if I need time to go shopping or food prep, he can do a meal. He can grill the dinner and do the sides and do all of that. So he's been, he, I cannot speak to how wonderful my husband has been through this process. I think there's something uh, key in what you said here is because by everything what you just described of your husband, your husband is a very secure and strong individual is what it sounds like. <laughs> he is. Yeah. And for those of you listening, the pe- the only people who try to break, drink, bring you down, try to drag you back from making any sort of advancements or changes in your lives are the people who are not secure and are not very strong. And so they are wanting to hold you back because that's where they feel like they are down in the gutter too. So um, just kind of putting it out there. So if you have an actual, you know, supportive adult in your life, they will show it regardless whether or not you're changing your life or not. So, all right. You, so he was a, a champion of you all along. You went to, you went to uh, walks on ledges, which I've, you know, I've been to ledges a few times too. And those walks can be pretty steep. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they're, they're, I mean, especially some of them, I mean, even to the, even if you are in pretty good shape, they can still wind you pretty easily, especially if you're going up there pretty quickly, Yeah. but, uh, but good on him. So, all right. Did you start doing the walks, but you went out more and more, even though you're kind of embarrassed about not being able to keep up with your husband. Now, yeah. when did think, when did, did you notice the day when things started to really get better and those walks got a little bit. Uh, a little bit more effortless. Yeah. So um, it it was about 50 pounds down before okay. I could keep up with him. And 
I would play this little game where I would talk about my starting weight. I would count, you know, to that. I would start at that number and then I would count down to my current weight and um, do my steps up. And then if I could do that many, then I would do that many again and see how many times I could do that. You know, so if it was 60 pounds down, I would count 60 steps. If I could do 60 steps, then I could take a break. You know, it's just a mind game, a mind game. It sounds silly, but it got to where I would get, oh, when I'm 70 pounds down, I don't need to take a break. I can do 70 more steps and Mm -hmm. it would be that kind of a thing. And now my husband has a hard time keeping up with me, which is fabulous, which (laughs) for me, not so much for him. (laughs) Is he the same way too? Is he kind of now competitive with you? It's like, no, no, you're not getting the best of me. Yeah, he will keep up with me. Um, even if, you know, he had a surgery recently and so he was, no, we weren't able to do the ledges. Right. And so we just do walks and he'll hustle, you know, because I make him quick walks so that way we still get our exercise in and he'll hustle to keep up with me and he's great. <laughs> All right, so, so you, all right, so you're down the weight you wanted to lose. So yep. you, you got there. Okay. Yeah. But obviously, you're still going here too. I mean, you have things in front of you here. You could have just said, "Well, I'm, I'm, I'm good where I'm at." Yeah. But you seem like you're pushing towards something else now. Are you? Are you still? Uh, okay. Well, you have the, the half marathon that you talked about earlier. Yeah. Is there a grander design in mind now? So right now we're looking at the half and Mm -hmm. then we're going to see how we do with the half. Um, My feet don't hurt when I'm running right now. I I can run like eight miles and my feet are comfortable. Before I decide that I want to run any further than a half marathon, I want to be able to do a half marathon and see how my feet feel and how my Achilles feel before I make any more big goals. Um. Right now, my other big goal is to get back to weightlifting. I have triceps tendonitis right now, so I can't lift weights. And it's um, I was doing my weighted vest to do leg day because leg okay. day is the best day. <laughs> and um, I can't lift my weighted vest to get it on even. My triceps tendonitis is so bad. So I'm my goal is... To work with Sports Med, I beat with them on Monday, and my goal is to get back to weightlifting so that way I can get some more muscle mass because I've lost some as I've had to be off of weightlifting with this triceps tendonitis. Triceps tendonitis, uh, that's a new one. I mean, I don't think I ever heard that. Do you it's know how you got elbow. that? It's tennis elbow. You've oh, heard of gotcha. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I definitely have heard of that. Okay. I just hadn't heard about it in that way before because i was like triceps tendonitis nurse talk you know how nurses are (laughs) speaking of that though so i mean you're uh okay you work in hospice now which is very different from when i met you which is emergency medicine yeah um how's that work with your life now i mean it's a i mean is it better or is it just different or the hours are better Okay. Um, so that so then I'm able to get my workouts in a little bit better. Um, the stress is a lot less. It's different, a different mm-hmm. kind of stress by all means. Any any type of nursing, there's stress. 
Um, this is a little more rewarding to me than emergency medicine because um, people appreciate you more in the yeah. medicine. It, you don't get those warm, fuzzy connections with your patients. And here I do get to connect with my patients. And um, even if my patient is to the point in life where they're not responsive, I get to connect with their family and I get that bond and I can, you know, I can take care of my patients and I can love them. You know, because that's ultimately, as a nurse, I I want to love my patients. Which may, was, what's what? Which may sound funny to some people, but I, you know, if I'm taking care of you, I want to love you and I want you to feel better and I want to take care of you. I was wondering about people who work in hospice here because I've met a few of them before. And I just think from the outside looking in that, oh, I thought that, man, that's got to be depressing work because you're working with people that you know are going to die. Yeah. But a lot of people say, no, it's actually, it's very, I love, I love it. It's very rewarding. Yeah, it's rewarding. It's, it is rewarding. And um, I had touched on earlier that my girlfriend had um, mm -hmm. died. One of my dear friends had a horrible, horrible cancer. And she fought. It was terminal a diagnosis. It was terminal. And um, she did hospice and they took great care of her. And um, you know, I want, I know how much her husband and how much she appreciated the nurses that took care of her when she died. And I want to do that for people. You know what I mean? I want to mm -hmm. serve people in the same way my fellow nurses took care of her. Do you think, now I might be reaching here a little bit, but I don't know. I mean, a lot of people, uh, when, when they when they uh, completely remake their lives, when they get on a fitness journey and they get healthier, they get stronger, you know, they kind of like, especially when they get to be our age here and we're both in our 40s. Yep. They, they kind of, you know, the, the uh, which is the, the, the knowledge that life is not going to go on forever. And you've had experiences like you where you've seen people who are close to you die of slow illnesses. Yeah. Um. I just know because, you know, when you really get down to it, when you get to be our age here and where most people kind of expire in around their early to mid 80s, this is midlife. You yep. don't typically think of it like that, but this is midlife oh, for, yeah. most, for most of us. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, slow deaths are characteristic of how people die these days. Yeah. It's not, it's not really the sudden accidents that take people. Right. Where um, the dying sleep or... Right. Yeah. It's the, no, it's the slow progressive deaths from, you know, cardiovascular disease, cancer, uh, neurodegenerative diseases, that kind of thing that really get that really gets you. And when you get to this point in life, you really start to appreciate that more. And the more you can get ahead of stuff like that, the better. And now I, I guess I'm getting to the point now where I'm starting to preach, but do you, do you agree with that, that outlook? I absolutely do. And I, um, I see this as midlife for me and, um, I, since my staff died, um, I have really challenged myself to live my life a little bit more because mm -hmm. sometimes you 
just go through life and you go through the motions and you just do your stuff day to day and you don't appreciate stuff and to have more gratitude and um, to enjoy life more because, you know, she has a little boy who she won't get to see grow up. My kids are 23 and 17 and I have gotten my time with them and I get to have time with them and she didn't get that and how unfair it is. And so I'm trying to make up for that, you know, since she didn't Mm -hmm. get that, I'm trying to appreciate it more in my life. Would that be the why in your life now? It's a, it's a driver. It definitely is a driver, you know, and, um, you know, my why is my kids and my why is Mm -hmm. my husband and my why is, you know, sure. Yeah. I just always kind of think, I, I mean, there's always kind of a, I think there's, there's always something that is a bit larger that really kind of pushes us forward that maybe we're not kind of completely conscious of, you know, yeah. you know, when you take in the totality of someone else's life here, and I see this a lot when I talk to people here, it's like they kind of, they tell me things as we're, as we're talking, sometimes they kind of breeze over some, a few things or it's just kind of a detail in their story. But then it kind of like it seems to tie together mm-hmm. when you when you look at it from a bird's eye point of view, or at least it is for me when I'm looking at everything. I see one thing, one dot leads to another, leads to another, leads to another, and then I try to bring it home for them. And then it's like, oh yeah, that actually does kind of provide some clarity. It all does all kind of tie together. Yeah. All right. So the half marathon coming here in in September. In September. Are you training for that any differently? You train for this one? Um. So this. So I didn't train for this 10K per se. This is okay. part, so my 10K was a training run, right? For my half marathon. So I just adjusted my training plan. I traded weeks so that way I could use this 10K as my big run for the week. So, um, yeah, I just keep, keep going. Um, next week I have a nine mile run, which will be the longest that I've ever run in my whole life. Mm-hmm. In um, we'll see. I'm excited for it. I'm nervous. I get nervous every week when he ups my mileage. How often are you, how often do you run or work out a week? Um, so right now I run three days a week and then I do walks the other days of the week. Um, and I don't, I don't have to get 10,000 steps a day or I don't have mm. to get so many miles a day. I just try to be active for the 30 minutes a day. Um, just because I feel better and I sleep better. And, um, I just, I just really feel better when yeah. I'm active. And then um, normally I will lift weights some, but I can't do that right now. So I'm just a cardio queen, which is <laughs> fine for now, but I don't like that for my bones and for my muscles, but you got to yeah. step up when you have an injury. Right. Yeah. Well, you do what you can with what you can now, but yeah, then, yeah it'll be for sure. Like the muscles and the bones is important. Yeah. So when you can go back to that. Yeah, I will be right back on that. I'm hoping, hoping when I meet with Dr. Bancroft, she'll have some, 
some miracle for me so I can get back at it. Because this has been an injury, a nagging injury since January. And I've done everything. You know, I've done physical therapy. I've done chiropractic. I've done massage. I've done everything anyone can come up with. And I've rested it. And it still hurts. So we'll see. You can't you can't even do strength training with bands or with body weight? It hurts. I can't um if I like I have a hydro flask okay. and even to pick it up, it hurts in my elbow. Ouch. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Such a dumb it's just a nagging bad injury. So walk and run, that's all I do. What do you do? That's, yeah. What do you do? All right, cool. Well, Shannon, um, I'm going to start to wind down things here. So we have a closing tradition on the show okay. where the guest has the last words. They like to, I like to try to summarize things for people here where people, if the guest can put things into maybe a few short sentences or maybe just one word as kind of like some parting uh, words for the audience here, if you can walk away with one, remembering one thing and one thing only, what would you say it would be? If you want a big weight loss or a big change in your health, I want you to look into habit stacking and habit stacking is where each week you pick one habit and you work on that thing. And that's the only thing you work on that week. And then the next week you add one more habit and you do that every week until you have these big, big changes in your life and it will change your entire life. So just kind of start with one habit and add another, add another. Yeah. Yep. That's how I lost all my weight. I just would pick one thing a week to work on. And then the next week I would add something more. It's great. It's a great plan. Yeah. You know, it starts out with something small and it builds to something big. It's great advice. Thanks. Well, Shan yeah. Well, Shannon, thank you again for coming on. I appreciate you spending time with us and giving your story. Yeah, thank you so much. Not a problem, not a problem. And uh, I don't know if you have, if you offer any anybody to reach out to you or not here. Um, yeah, that would be fine. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah I, can, I can get uh, contact information um, from you later, and I can put that in the show notes, you know, yeah. like, I, like I always do with just about everybody that I interview. So if people want to contact you, I don't know if you don't do coaching or anything, but you know, do you? No, um, yeah. no, eventually that's something that I want to do. But mm -hmm. if someone just has some questions or someone needs some advice or just wants to hear more of my story, I'm glad to share. And For sure. yeah, absolutely. Because if I can help one person, you know, that goes back to the nurse thing. If I can help someone, that's wonderful. That's a great day. Right. Great. All right. Well, I'll just have you email that to me, whatever it is you want people to contact you at. And um, I'll put that in the show notes. For those of you who want to contact Shannon and hear more and kind of know more, because she's done incredible for herself. And she just kind of started with herself. And that was, and that was all you can, uh, that's all you can really do when you are you know, trying to uh, change your life. So not a worry there. But uh, again, Shannon, I appreciate you for coming on. I appreciate your time on a Sunday. And uh, congrats on the Couch to 5K that you did, that you placed. Yeah, I'm That's, 
Yeah, on your 10K, yeah, you placed. Congrats on that. Good luck on the uh, the half marathon coming up. I've done that myself. I know that's that's something that's a whole other animal right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's also fun. But uh, all right. Thanks again. And uh, thanks again to everyone who has listened, everyone who will listen in the future. This is the Fitness Reborn podcast. My name is Sean from Renaissance Fitness Personal Training. I'll see you on the other side. Until then, move forever. Peace. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can become a supporter of the show by becoming a monthly subscriber. No commitments. Cancel anytime. Every little bit helps, and I'd sure love your support. Also, you can click any of the links to our social media platforms provided in the show notes, and you can email me at renfitnesswarriors at gmail.com. That's ren, R-E-N, fitnesswarriors at gmail.com. If you got a fitness story to tell, I'd love to hear it. You never know. You might just find yourself on the show. Until next time, train hard. Peace.